Okay, so welcome to our Now More Than Ever podcasts, where we will be discussing how COVID-19 has changed the world and how it's now posing a unique set of challenges within the workplace. So today I'm joined by the brilliant Sharon Edwards to discuss this very topic. Now, Sharon is the Director of Finance and People for PSS. So thank you, Sharon, for joining us today. And obviously we're doing this over the phone because we're working remotely, um, but it'd be great to hear your thoughts and views on, on the topics that we're about to discuss in our Now More Than Ever podcast. So firstly, it'd be great if you could introduce a little bit more about yourself and the organisation of PSS. Well, thanks, Joe, and uh, thanks for inviting me along. Um, so, yeah, about me and about PSS. So, well, as, you, as you've just said, I'm the, the Director of Finance and People um, at PSS, and PSS is a social enterprise with a head, headquarters based in Liverpool. Um, so, a bit about me first, and if I take you way back, so I kind of left school at 16, no qualifications and um, it wasn't the right learning environment for me and it wasn't the right time in my life I think to to take on that learning path um, I soon realized pretty sharpish afterwards though that I better get some education behind me so I went to college got I think they were called O levels then weren't they and, and A levels and got some of them behind me and I joined um, the local bank I stayed in the banking um, arena for about 15 to 20 years and um, became a qualified accountant when I was there and also took a year out and travelled right around the world and uh, came back came back into the banking industry and all was good and then in 2002 um, mum got ill so mum was like mum and dad to us um, in that we grew up in a single parent household and she was everything. She was our world. So she got ill in 2002 and we lost her early in 2003. And everything that I thought was brilliant and normal and purposeful came crashing down. I, um, I then decided I needed to change something. So I wanted to do something with purpose. So I, I began training as a psychotherapist, which <laughs> in a completely different direction. And I did that for the next five years. And then up to five years after that, I was seeing clients as well so that was kind of quite heavy going because I was still doing the the accountancy work I was still a part-time finance director and then I was a psychotherapist so it was round about eight years ago now I thought to myself look I'm going to burn out here I can't continue to, to to keep doing both and do them as well as I'd want to so I needed to find a job that kind of fulfilled both of those sides because people say to me wow accountant and psychotherapist what's that about and um and really it's about fulfilling those both sides of me um so it's because I got kind of the hunger for structure and clarity which is what the accountant side does and then the the hunger for connection and purpose which is what the psychotherapy side does and then hence comes PSS so PSS is a charity that um as I say, as its headquarters based in Liverpool, but we operate in the Midlands, in Wales, and East Anglia. We've kind of got offices, you know, all about the UK. And when I when I when I joined PSS, what I loved about it was that not only the work that we do, which is kind of dealing with um, adult social care, dealing with adults with learning and physical difficulties, and helping them. At be- become independent or as much independent as you can and we also deal with the, the criminal justice system and helping people through that so the what we did really um, appealed to me 
but the how they did it too. So there's a set of values that underpin everything at PSS, and it, it's kind of so embedded. It's it's there from recruitment. So actually, many recruitment decisions are made on the values rather than the skills of the individual at the at, at the interview stage, and and then that that flows right the way through to appraisals, and we have annual awards for our values. And we, we, we talk about PSS people and what, what we mean by that is people who live and breathe the values and it's just natural. So that'll be from open-mindedness to being genuine, to being professional. So so there's these core values and as I say, they're there present in everything that we do. And, and that was so refreshing to me because I've worked in organisations before whereby they say they've got the values and it's an aspiration and they really want to get there. But when you look... You know, when you, you, you peel off the lid, kind of, it, it doesn't really do what it says on the tin. Whereas for PSS, it, it did. So, yeah, so I've been working there for the last eight years now. And it's a it's a privilege. Uh, every day I count it as a privilege and a humbling experience to be able to, to kind of work for such a fantastic organisation. And we just celebrated last year, actually, 100 years of... Uh, of being so really proud to have been there through that celebrations too. It's lovely to hear this Sharon I mean it's lovely to hear your I suppose humbling story but also your passion for what you do and 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 you know the fact that the values are lived through day in and day out you know like you said so many organizations don't do that and they scratch the surface but when you're recruiting people based on the values and how they're going to fit into your organizational culture then that changes everything and it, and and therefore PSS, you know, will have the right people all pointing in the right direction because, you know, they're behaving in the way that is akin to your values and, and hence it being a privilege and you being the director of people, you know, will be leading that, that journey, I guess, in terms of the values and ensuring people are, um, you know, being true to that. So I can understand why it would be a privilege, particularly the heritage of PSS, like you said, and the 100-year anniversary or birthday, whichever it would be, last year. Um, you know, I know how an amazing organisation PSS is, so I can hear it in your voice how privileged it is. So it's it's so far, it's a lovely story. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. It, it truly is. And in in terms of obviously, we're we're you know we're talking now, and we are. X number of months post lockdown that happened for us all on March the 23rd. Um, what's been different for you in the workplace because of COVID? So at PSS, I suppose the one of our main services is actually something called shared lives. And that's whereby it's almost like foster care for adults. So that element of the business has remained unchanged because those people are living in homes like a family member. So they would become the bubbles, if you like, the, the, yeah. the so-called bubbles that you say now. So there wouldn't be that much of an impact there because they live as a family member, go on holiday, and kind of the, 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 that's their life. So it was more of the um, the day services for us because we, we, we operate a couple of day services whereby, you know, individuals will come in, or, or people, people we support will come in, and, and we will do activities with them and... Um, you know, they'll have a great time in the centre, but obviously that's face-to-face, -face, isn't it? And it's not consistent, so that was not going to work with these new arrangements. And also we've got our community support service, which is 
whereby a support worker will go out for the day with, with somebody in, in, into, uh, you know, whatever that individual would like to, to do for the day. So again, that wasn't, that wasn't going to work. So we had to, um, we had to stop those services pretty much. We were, we were, we were a bit ahead of the government's advice because we were watching what was going on. So we were ready to close down before the government said that we had to, uh, because obviously the, we're working with vulnerable adults here and, and you know, it, it was really important to us that that came first. So we chose to, to close down and then we were, we were kind of thinking, okay, so from a funding point of view, because when we were going through this, I remember the leadership team sitting around the, the table and actually saying, okay, so this is, this is a care ball that we couldn't have anticipated. Um, what is it we want to get from this at the end? And we said, okay, so what we need to do, and we came up with three pr principles, and one was we needed to make sure the people who use our services were safe, and that was the paramount. And the second one, we needed to look after our people, our staff, through this because of the challenging times. And the third one was we needed to make sure that the organisation survived. So, so we kept those as the focus all the way through, and whenever any difficult decisions were coming up, we'd come back, to those three um, goals that we'd all agreed. So, so that really helped us. Um, so, yeah, so we, we, we closed down those those services, which, you know, as I say, supported that, that, that goal of looking after our people. But then, obviously, the other thing is, okay, so what about organisational survival and, and, and the financials, which would impact by closing um, such services? So we're, we're lucky in the fact that we've got a really good relationship with Liverpool City Council. So what we negotiated afterwards was that they continued to pay us um, because they they recognised the need of the individuals to be able to get back as soon as they could possibly could. And obviously, if, if that service was no longer there, where were these people going to be able to go? So, so we really worked in partnership through this. So, so far, so good in the, um, the finances haven't been you know, hit dramatically in that area, yes. But, you know, we, we do look to the, the future and, you know, it's it's made people think differently, hasn't it, the, the, the COVID? It's kind of taken people's in in the mind into places that they probably wouldn't usually go. Um, almost, you know, you've, got, you've had a lot of reflective time and you hear people talking about, you know, what I'm going to do is spend more time doing this X, Y, and Z. And, and usually, as I say, you wouldn't go there mentally, but, but when a such a big thing as this, a life-changing event happens, a global event, it really makes you think differently. So, yeah, the, the impact on the business is such that we've been able to keep our people safe. We've been able to keep our the people we support safe. And um, so far, so good on organisational survival. And you know what, even if, we talked about this as well, we've got, you know, financial plans that even if the worst came to the worst and, and, and this service was reduced, we have, we've, we've come up with ways that we will get through this because we're going to be here for the next 100 years. Absolutely. And, and that sounds like a brilliant strategy at the beginning. And I think, like you said, you know, a lot of organisations suddenly out of nowhere had to deal with an immediate crisis and pick out what was the strategy, even though none of us really knew how long it was going to go on for, what did it really... So I suppose we were all, you know, like yourselves, thinking through 
what do we need to do but we don't know how long this is for we don't know where this is going and 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 i think you're right those three pillars and principles are absolutely vital and 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 thankfully you've you've succeeded because the work that that you know your business does and offers in in liverpool and beyond is phenomenal and people would have certainly felt an impact if if they'd have not been able to receive some of that so um it's great to say that your your that leadership strategic thinking early doors has uh, has definitely got you to where you are today. But in terms of the future, then, and I know we feel like we're in a transitional phase, or it certainly does feel transitional at the moment from all the conversations I tend to have with people. Um, some people have still got two feet firmly sat in the lockdown camp some have moved forward into the the future and some are in the middle crazy time uh, you know and, and I can I can hear it in different organizations different people we speak to in terms of yourselves where are you now and, and where do you see where do you see yourselves going based on you know the next phase of where we are really yeah sure and um, so we're probably on the more cautious end because we need to protect our people because yeah. as I say they're vulnerable adults and yeah. um, however we also recognize the need for the for, for our people to be able to engage in the the activities that that, that the PSS does for them so we've been working we've been doing reviews with all the people who use our services to find out what is it you want what would you like to see and what would make you feel safe um, and so we, 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 we kind of getting a real sense of what people want so that, that that's great and we've got pla plans to start bringing some people have been desperate to come back so we've got plans to start bringing people back now in into the into the activities and, and yeah what the question about what what does it look like i mean i think looking a bit more forward i think over the next couple of months we i think that the key thing the key word that keeps coming up is flexibility isn't it it's kind of being adaptive and being flexible so whether that be for the people who use our services listening to what's needed in this new world we find ourselves in um and 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 you know we've always like for our day service for example we've always traditionally opened the day services from nine to five so what what's become clear is people want the flexibility and so so people are wanting maybe some evening activities and some weekend activities and we're we're lucky that we were already working on um, a strategy to revamp that area of our business beforehand so a lot of thinking had gone into that so luckily enough we've been able to roll some of them ideas out but it really is about staying ahead and, and staying in touch with what with what people want and on the staffing side I think um well what can I say about that so it's so so much has changed in the thinking I think I think what, what I was we were laughing the other day because before lockdown it was only I would say three weeks before lockdown we we, we got Microsoft Teams in and geez what 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 our what our journey would have been like without that because that has been a lifesaver for us so that's about digital advancement and kind of making it second nature because you know the primary if you think the primary concern for most of the people who work for PSS is caring for people yeah. so they didn't really want to go on a computer and they didn't you know it, it was kind of they wanted to be hands-on but this has almost forced us along that step of okay let's start to think differently and can we use the digital skills to engage um, the you know whether it be staff or as I say the people we support so there's a lot more thinking gone into that I also think 
that you know being at home more and that kind of more remote working and and, and the flexible approach to okay so if i think i for the perfect balance might be a couple of days at home a couple of days in the office whereas before that might have been frowned upon by a lot of organizations maybe because of the trust wasn't there yeah. i mean i'm not sure i'm still kind of reflecting on on, on the way it was uh, but certainly i think people are going to be more open-minded to that now because it's been proved that it, it that it can work so that's about getting a great balance for individuals and the workplace that, that works for everybody um and then things even things like you know reducing mileage and we've got in our big plan about the wider impact PSS can have on society and the environment and, you know, you know, emissions and, and all these things like, okay, so there's a real chance there to, to almost cut the mileage cost down by even by half, at least by half I'm going for, that's what I've been saying to the leadership team, because um, of these potential new way, new way of working and that's, you know, let's move forward with this and not, not lose all the good stuff we've discovered through the crisis let's hold on to the good stuff absolutely it's been a giant reset hasn't it in terms of travel um re-evaluating of values but then like you said harnessing the best of that and taking it forward you know for individuals from their i suppose health and well-being from the environment perspective like you said the reduced travel you know there's so much positive that can come out of what we've all experienced and not to mention digital transformation some of the the things that the things i'm hearing from people you know that they say people would you know would have reluctantly been dragged onto a digital journey or not at all and then suddenly the day after they're all there microsoft teamsing to everybody or zooming or whatever (laughs) it's been a it's been something that you know we would never have predicted but wow it's 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 brilliant isn't it i mean part of our i mean we 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 did have a we have got a well-being strategy anyway with pss but that has advanced so much during this crisis so we one of our things that we do is now is a motivating monday sketch and each of the teams have to do some sort of video sketch to engage other teams and then they pass the baton on to another team for the next week and that's been really funny and just engaged everyone as you say on teams but also in the fun side it's having a really big positive effect on on the well-being we've had kind of the motivating mondays the kind of well-being wednesdays and then the friday quizzes and really keeping people connected through this period has been really important for us because ultimately we're human beings that thrive on connection aren't we don't we just and it is you know absolutely and i've heard some great stories about organizations of the positive things that they've done because of lockdown that they wouldn't have dreamed of doing in in the old world um and actually the human the human side has come out so much stronger you know we've had ceos on zoom calls uh you know kind of I suppose you're opening up your home to people and and it shows that we've all got a home and we've all got a a life outside of the work that we do Um, and it's it's brought I think it's brought some really positive changes and I know there's been a lot of heartache and a lot of difficult times but actually I think there's also been a lot of positives that we can we can embrace for the future absolutely absolutely in terms of the future so what about the challenges what do you see the greatest challenges could be going forward I think our greatest challenge is um, because we work in social care. It's it's the pressures on funding in that area, really. I mean, there's always been pressures on funding for social care, but I think during the last few months, hopefully, the light that's been shone on you know kind of the key workers mm-hmm. and um, how important the role is that 
our support workers do. Our hope is whether this will come to fruition, that the kind of it's recognised more as a key role and as a key job, and so therefore paid as such, because historically it never has been. That has got to be a big learning, hasn't it? Like you said, you know, workers in the care sector and the NHS, absolute key workers who got us through the pandemic and continue to get us through um, and, you know, should be paid accordingly, shouldn't they? So so you're seeing that that could be a challenge that they don't get paid as you would want them to or that the funding won't well, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's one of our goals to get us up to pay, being able to pay the national living wage for our support workers, which is something we've never been able to do before because the funding hasn't been there. So we're on it. And as I say, we do work brilliantly collaboratively with a lot of the commissioners. But obviously a lot of these funding um, decisions are made by central government. And, and I can see, you know, I can, I, can, I can see the positive impact of, as I say, the light that's been shone in this area over the last few months. And let's just hope that's in the form of funding going forwards yeah that it continues rather than pay lip service to it or yeah. or whatever and yeah yeah no I, I totally agree with that and in terms of the leaders and managers what are you going to expect of of your leadership team and management teams going forward um oh. even if it's different from the past what what will you expect of them okay um so i think you know, first of all i would say that um, hopefully people's uh, opinions of what's possible and what isn't possible have shifted a little through this. Um, so, you know, we we were able to shut down our operations within a matter of days and get everybody working remotely. And if you would have asked us, was that possible before? I, I, I reckon that the majority of people would have said no. Yeah. So actually, you know, it, it is recognising the potential in these situations and actually in, in everyday business. And, and even if you feel some sense of fear, to actually step through that and see what's on the other side. So we'll be encouraging a mindset along those lines and also about recognising individual potential. You know, individuals have really stepped up through this crisis. We had, you know, some of our care workers going and living with people to to kind of help them out through really difficult times and... and, and you know, the, the potential of individuals is huge. So, and I, it's our duty as managers and leaders to tap into that potential and make people feel empowered and, um, you know, um, valued to, to such an extent that their opinion matters and what they can bring to the table matters. So I think what we're expecting is is, is, is that sort of maximising the potential, but also being adaptive in, in your approach. So you're all right, so you're setting off along this line and if you get thrown a curveball, that's okay. Because with every curveball comes opportunities and it is about seeing through the fear to the opportunities. Wow, Sharon, you've just made me go goose pimply. I do tend to um, like talking to people and I have a bit of a goose a goose goose bumpometer I call it um, and you've just triggered mine <laughs> um, just hearing that in terms of 
you know, your team's going to live with people to help them through difficult times and, and give them the, the support that they need. And, you know, wow, that's phenomenal. And I've heard so many stories about, you know, how amazing organisations like PSS have, have helped out in the community. And I love that about empowering people to think of the what's possible versus what's not possible and things that perhaps in the past we may have considered you know, to put them in the too hard bucket, as it were, actually, let's work out how we do this rather than how we don't. And and I suppose you've just touched on the book, haven't you? Feel the fear and do it anyway and kind of see what happens. <laughs> Definitely one of my favourite books. So, yeah, brilliant. So, um, I mean, I think you're right. So many organisations have recognised what can be done, um, you know, when people pull together collaborate and all point in the same direction you know at speed what can be achieved as opposed to being in the day-to-day -day normal way of being and doing things can then bring up resistance we've always done it this way actually you know we we this has all been thrust on us but actually the the capacity of the human mind and the human being to to embrace new ideas is is phenomenal and it is about yeah. having that attitude of 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 the art of the possible isn't it absolutely it's, it's, it's just it's about accepting and settling into the settling into that feeling that just because you can't see it right now doesn't mean it's not possible absolutely step into it step like you just said yes step into it and and see what happens and you yeah. know often the best happens doesn't it or, or great things happen it's the whole it's the whole comfort zone thing versus your learning zone isn't it absolutely Oh, yeah, I love that. So in terms of leaders and managers sound like they're really, you know, they're going to be empowering people, um, supporting them, challenging them to, to think differently. What does, I mean, to me, that sounds absolutely like great coaching conversations. So what does that mean to coaching in your organisation? And I know you're already on the coaching um, culture journey, really. Um, so yeah. what does it mean to, to you guys at PSS? <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we are on the journey. I think the journey so far has been such that we've we took the decision probably about 12 months ago to train a, a number of internal coaches. And so that's that that's working out really well. We're having some feedback from the coaches and we're, we're collecting that feedback. And, and um, early indications are we're seeing really great change and great results because we're very clear on the process when we set it up that I, I am kind of just taking you off on the side I'm very results focused as you can imagine being an accountant anyway <laughs> and I like clarity of goals so to work with people so that they're, they're really clear about their own goals and then let's measure how you get on with that so we're getting some great content back now on, on the coaching that we're implementing at PSS and, 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 and um, you know the, the learning that people are going through and, and the changes that we're seeing so that's great we um we introduced obviously a coaching policy and, and rolled it out with some videos that Laura and I did actually about um, the benefits of coaching and what it can look like. And, and, and because I think traditionally people in the past and maybe, and um, that was a thought of PSS um, last year certainly, and we're still working on it, is that, oh, you're getting a coach, that means you're getting something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was that tie-in with performance management um, that kind of that was the traditional outlook that, that we've worked on changing and almost seeing it as an opportunity and, and tying it in actually to talent management because that's what it's about. Absolutely. So we're working on that, as I say, and, and, and that, that, that's, that, 
that is being rolled out and I think the next step is to embed it embed it as a, as a way of being across all managers so our, our, our next steps are kind of training with managers and I think we've actually invited you into one of our honor orders haven't we to give it talk to our managers you, you, yeah you have we were going to do that in April but obviously we'd have all been working from home so uh, exactly. I, I know it was rescheduled to potentially October November but um, yeah Laura and I'll be talking about that but yeah, yeah. I mean I know how important the oh, in terms of changing that story about coaching that it's about you know getting rid of the myth that it's just about um, a neg- with a negative connotation and actually embracing coaching for, I suppose, unlocking that art of the possible that you referred to before. And I think organisations who have a coaching policy and somebody on the board like yourself who is really passionate and behind coaching is where the success happens. Um, you know, making it part and parcel of daily life and then upskilling people with their skills and the tools to have those great conversations is where the difference really happens. And and you are, you know, PSS are, are absolutely, you know, well on the way to, to achieving that, which is which is great. And I will do my best to come and engage your leadership and management. Uh, <laughs> If there's no one pressure, topic, no pressure. We're expecting great things from you. Oh, no pressure. If there's one thing I can talk about with uh, some level of passion, it's definitely coaching and the impact it has. So I'll get them thinking. Um, brilliant. So, it, so you're obviously thinking about getting more of the managers out there to, you know, adopt more of the coaching skills more of the time. Absolutely, absolutely. That, that's the key thing. So it becomes a way of being, almost yeah. rather than a, a thing. If you see what I mean, it's kind of, you know, how to have conversations that kind of empower that you know extract the, the potential from individuals that you know uh, improve motivation it's all tied into well-being it's all linked all of it is linked and so you, you know we, we've got all the pieces of the jigsaw there and it's about connecting it all up now and, and, and just having those conversations as a way of life i totally agree about the way of being um can we offer um some workshops on the coach mindset and the skilled coach and we're doing it virtual as well now and for me I always want to start with the coach mindset because there's part of me that thinks you know what most people can learn new skills but actually what's harder and but what's more important is actually how do you get this to how do you be how do you think like a coach how do you make it a way of being rather than just something you do now and again yeah um having that mindset of um looking at somebody and knowing that there's more potential within them and how how can you help them to unlock that potential yeah because after all we're human beings not human doings aren't we yes absolutely (laughs) i always remember somebody saying that to me years ago in my career she said you know we we're so busy in this organization everybody's do 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 when actually i just want people to stop for one moment and start thinking of how they're being and she said exactly that she says because we're human beings not human doings and i loved it so you've just said exactly the same something i always go back to when you know things are looking a bit you know frantic pull us back to that yeah it's about a way of being i totally agree so in terms of what challenges do you see because you know a little bit like what you said from the past in terms of looking at coaching with that sort of negative performance management you know it's a it's trying to you know it's got a negative connotation hang around it what do you see as the greatest challenges for your leaders and managers going forward to actually adopt that style to enable that way of being or ensure that they adopt a way of being yeah, I think I think there's 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 overcoming 
that that, 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 that we spoke about before in that, that they see it as something positive. I think we are some way on the journey for that now because yeah. because of the experience people have had through this internal coaching programme and obviously they're going back and talking to other people. So we're moving that along a bit. I think I think the major channel uh, tra- challenges will be is certainly one of perception of pace. So, you know, the pace of change, the pace of work, the pace of life is exceptional, especially at the moment. Um, and so I think the perception is that almost if I direct somebody to do something, it's going to get done quicker. Yeah. And so that, that kind of, that's the thing that we need to challenge because that might be, it's the first time you ask them to do it. But actually, if you're not developing the way of, for the individual to think for themselves and actually get the most out of themselves, then they're, they're going to come back to you the second, third, fourth, fifth time. Of course they are. Whereas if you'd have helped them get to the answer and put the upfront time in almost at the first time, then times two, three, and four, they might have got there themselves. Absolutely. So I think there's something about perception of pace yeah. and a directive approach versus a coaching approach that I think it will be good for us to, to work on. And then I think there is there is something about, you know, I'm sure it's in everybody, but maybe it's just because I'm a financial controller, that, that kind of inherent desire to control um, and actually letting go of control and how freeing that can be. And it's about, you know, monitoring our internal urge to do that because we think if we keep control, it's going to get done better and quicker. And actually, if we trust the individuals and work with the individuals to do it themselves, they might actually do it better than you. Absolutely. <laughs> and isn't that good for the organisation? Definitely. And that, and that you, you know, is just absolutely coaching through and through, isn't it? I suppose the first point you made is probably describing a little bit more situational leadership in terms of, yeah, give them the direction to start with, but then coach them ongoing because then you can then delegate to them and they'll do it probably a whole lot better than yourself. <laughs> so um, I totally agree with you. The power of coaching on an organisational level can really shift the dial um and getting more and more people thinking like that rather than having their need to control everything which stifles creativity and it has all the other negative impact i guess uh, but probably makes yourself feel a bit better so uh, i i totally get that so in terms of i suppose final question what would your number one tip be to others um, in terms of bringing the organization along to embrace the future whatever that future may look like for all of us what would be the number one tip from or learnings that you've had that you'll ask people to think about to take forward? Oh, okay. Um, so as regards organisational learning, I think um, to have a clear link between um, the organisational strategy and the, the goals that are agreed through coaching. Because I think in the beginning, we probably saw them as separate. So people were saying, oh, I'd like to do X, Y, and Z. And there was no clear link to their goals, which linked to the organizational goals. So it was a bit, bit um, it was too separate. It wasn't integrated. Okay. And then we we introduced a change to the, to the way we rolled it out. So that, you know, how our... Um, how our strategy is rolled out is we involve everybody in the organization in developing our five-year plan so everybody understands what that plan is and feels like they've input to it and then from that it's cascaded down to individual plans so now it's very clear that if 
if I'm Joe Block, say, and I want to I wanna work on my communication skills and I work with my manager, we have a conversation about, okay, so how does that fit into your goals for the year and, and the strategic plan of the business? And it might well be that, okay, so we want to be able to influence um, people outside PSS. Great. So therefore, if you want to be able to influence people outside of PSS, I need to be a good communicator. That makes sense. Great. So that's a great development area for coaching. So, yeah, it's about making sure those are clear because I think earlier on for us, they weren't so clear and that caused confusion. Yeah, so the importance of aligning the organisational strategy to the individual and everybody knows how they're playing their part, what the, what, where their development areas are and when they are developing, what what's the impact to themselves personally, but how does it meet the total organisational goals and strategy? Um, yeah. making them all aligned yeah no that sounds a, a great tip for sure and I think if if more organizations brought the coaching strategy side into the organizational strategy that's where a coaching culture starts to starts to happen rather than something separate something just for the leadership team and something that happens over there um, yeah. as opposed to everywhere you know oh this is where coaching can make such a massive difference yeah. to organizations absolute integration is key yeah, no, I love that. Thank you, Sharon. And in terms, so listening to you today, I've heard lots about um, kind of flexibility, the importance of well-being, your amazing teams within PSS and how, you know, the community spirit and how they supported people, the importance of human, being a human, we're a human being, not a human doing, doers, um, and I suppose thinking about agility and you know all those great things and how that can all be harnessed to take forward for the future and obviously a coaching style and a coaching culture will help that because i think one of the key things that you've talked about today is that you know one of the greatest learnings is the challenge or the leaders and managers taking forward about the art of the possible and, and stepping into that unknown and being comfortable by do, making that step and actually seeing what happens. And, and for me, coaching conversations throughout the organization can help unlock that and stop thinking that we can do it all and we can, you know, we just give direction or, or control everything, actually empower others to really think differently and then help it become a way of being. Um, is probably how I'd summarise the things I've heard today, which um, which has been absolutely fascinating. Marvellous. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Sounds like you've captured that very, really well, Jack. Oh, um, I've, I've used my extra large coaching ears. Um, <laughs> I have to visualise them. Um, no, I've really enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for that, Sharon. It's really been an, a, a valuable insight into what's going on at PSS, your your story that's brought you to PSS, which I thought was very humbling. And, you know, I'm sure people will be really interested to hear your story and, um, you know, how from leaving school with uh, not a lot at 16 to then going on and realising you could push yourself further and further to now be the director of finance and people which to have those two skills combined in one title is phenomenal the, the, <laughs> the finance the logical the analytical and the people the softer skills is 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 amazing so thank you very much and and for those people who are listening to today's podcast if if they've really enjoyed today if you've enjoyed today's podcast then make sure you tune into next week's because you know we are going to keep talking about coaching and why it matters now more than ever so thank you very much